Cardinals are off again this week, so that means we are back for another Cardinals Off Day podcast. This is Ben Godar. I'm here as always with uh, my good friend Ben Humphrey. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Mr. Godar. As always, good to talk to you, uh, even when it's only a few days after our last episode, uh, because we get to have a very special guest. Yeah, absolutely. We are very excited to have a friend of the pod, Alex Chrisafuli, joining us today. I'm sure most of you know Alex from Chirps and from Birds on the Black and and back in the day from Viva Albertos. Alex, how are you doing? I am also doing well, and thank you both for having me. I have told you both, I think, in person and online how much I enjoy this podcast, so it is a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. We we appreciate appreciate hearing that. And I know Ben and I have been excited to talk to you, Alex, because uh, while we enjoy hearing you, uh, I think talk Cardinals, uh, you know, in any sort of forum, I, I always kind of think of you and your your mind for kind of Cardinals history and really important uh, elements of uh, you know Cardinals lore. And and this has been a season of uh, important Cardinals lore. <laughs> so um, so I've just been interested to kind of talk to you and, and get your get your take on some of this. So I think uh, Ben and I have a number of just kind of questions we can all bandy about today and just kind of kind of freestyle it. So, uh, yeah, ben, yeah, let's do it. All right, Ben, do you want to kick things off? Uh, sure. Um, so what did you think of the pitchfork top 150 albums of the night? No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, that, that, uh, oh, oh. That it... <laughs> I, I absolutely have thoughts on that, but I, I don't know if that's going to hit the mark with the average, uh, Cardinals off day listener. So we can oh. maybe save that for uh, later or yeah. another time. I don't know. We might need to do and a and that's perfect on that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I I was pleasantly surprised with some of it and downright shocked uh, with other parts of it. And one of uh, Ben and my good friends uh, is actually works for Pitchfork and lives here in town. So I've been excited to get together with him and give him a hard time about some of the choices. Um, but we need to stay focused on Cardinals baseball. And uh, during the last episode, uh, Ben and I discussed who we hoped the Cardinals would face uh, in the wild card series. And uh, Ben thought we, the Brewers would be a better matchup. I wanted them to face the Phillies and we had our own reasons, but Alex, I was wondering who do you hope uh, the Cardinals face uh, here in the first round of the postseason? I think the smart answer is the Brewers. I think they are the worst of the, I guess that trio. That said, I, and this might sound silly, I would have a harder time losing to the Brewers than I would to, say, the Phillies or the Padres. Not that I want to lose to either of those teams, especially the Phillies, as you can probably imagine. There are a healthy, well, there's nothing ever healthy about a, a, a large Yeah, yeah, Phillies oh, yeah. fans. But there's a decent amount of Phillies fans in D.C., and so I... I would not enjoy losing to the Phillies, but there's something that really just is not fun about losing to a team within the division in the playoffs, as you know, as we so cruelly found out in 2015. That said, I don't think the Brewers are that great. 
And maybe it's because I've seen them so much more than I have the Padres and the Phillies uh, that I'm just not that impressed with them. I think I like our chances against them. I think that's a really good point about losing to a team in the division. Cause I, I, I don't know that I've articulated that, but I've definitely had that gut feeling too. And especially since you feel like you're in direct competition with those division teams all season. And, and like last night we felt like we, we vanquished them, right? Like game over brewers. We won the division. <laughs> so like, yeah. you know, in a, in a week, if they beat us in a two game series <laughs> and they continue in the playoffs and we don't, that will be quite uh, quite the air coming out of the balloon. So oh, good. Ben. Oh, I, I was also going to say, I kind of wonder uh, what type of uh, karma is in the air. Uh, with these potential matchups because, you know, in 2011, the Cardinals had, of course, that miraculous run to qualify for the postseason and then to win it all. And we, uh, the Cardinals, uh, effectively ended, you know, like the Phillies juggernaut. You know, like that was pretty much the end of of their window, and they haven't really had a winning window since. And I don't know if I want to be the ones uh, facing them kind of, you know, at the start of their new winning uh, window, you know, with with that team and the way that they can hit for power. Uh, But then also uh, with the Brewers, I'm glad the Brewers have had some success because in 2011, you know, you were talking about the division opponent. The Brewers thought they had vanquished the Cardinals because they easily, yeah. <laughs> easily defeated us for the division crown. And then we went into the NLCS and just knocked them around. Like the the Cardinals, everyone, and understandably so, talks about David Freeze in the World Series, but he hit the ball really well in the NLCS too, and so did the whole team. The Cardinals really knocked the Brewers pitching around in that series. and you know, ended uh, their season um, and kind of hurt their uh, winning window in a way. And so we have kind of like in the last 10, 11 years, this uh, rivalry with each of these teams from the 2011 postseason, potentially one of them coming back around with one of them. And I, I think that's an interesting angle in this as well, because all the stars aligned for the Cardinals in 2011, as they must if you're going to win the World Series. And so could it begin again with the Phillies uh, here in a week or a little bit more than a week? Um, And so I think that's pretty exciting. And as I said, I really want the pitching fielding roster construction versus the masher roster construction. I think that's the most fun. Uh, but it also kind of concerns me because of the Cardinals pitching to contact and the the quality of the Phillies contact, you know, like that kind of concerns me. Um, and so I, I, either one I think is going to be interesting and fun to watch, but I also don't know quite how to prepare for a three game postseason series. Like what are your thoughts on that, Alex? I, I was reminded recently how, how much I am not a fan of this new format because it almost feels like a tournament. Um, if that makes sense, like a meaning there are a lot of teams involved and yeah, uh, it, it doesn't quite have that same, I, I mean, we're all close to the same age. So we remember when it was just four teams make the playoffs and how big of a deal it seemed to be 
uh, to be on that stage, not just in the World Series, but just to be in those uh, championship series where that was a very big deal. And this is something I've pontificated about a lot on Twitter and people have probably gotten sick of me. Um, at least when news of this new format broke, people probably got sick of me talking about it. But I, I really do not enjoy the playoff format. Um, I, I just think baseball is the sport where 12 teams in the playoffs is too many. Uh, and the regular season is not set up in a way to support that. Uh, that said, once the games begin, I'm going to be in a very happy place. And yeah. who knows, maybe, maybe five years from now, like I, I remember when, uh, for instance, the MLB jerseys, the contract switch from like New Era to Nike. And we, we all kind of got that preview of the swoosh being on the front of the jersey rather than say on the sleeve and how that just seemed like a shock to the conscience of like, this is, this, this cannot be, this is not something that I can wrap my mind around. This is an outrage. And how little of a deal that's that seems like i don't look at a yeah. jersey now and even think about it anymore now obviously oh, yeah. in, in 15 years when they look like nascar jerseys which they will <laughs> we'll, we'll be mad for half of a season and then we'll just be like oh yeah this is what baseball jerseys look like now right now obviously a playoff the playoff format is a much bigger deal than where the uh you know apparel logo is on on a jersey but what I'm saying is this could be another example that of something that seemed like a big deal at the time, but once I got used to it, I barely even noticed it. I don't think it's going to be like that because I really do believe in what I, what I said earlier, that a 162-game season is not then conducive to what is um, turning almost into like an NBA playoff or NHL playoff type format. But I... Yeah. You, you know, this only goes one way. So it's, it's kind of yeah. silly to even say like to even moan too much about it because we know it's not going to go back in the other direction. So I kind of just feel like I have yeah. to accept. It. Yeah. I yeah. There's too kinda... much, there's too much money to be made for it to go back. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've kind of accepted it too. And I will say like the one thing that I, I like about the way that they're doing it is, you know, they are trying to still wait things like winning the division and, and this whole like top two seeds thing, you know, I mean, that's a legitimate advantage. And so in some ways I do feel like, you know, that's added some more interest during the regular season as well, because again, we're all of the age. I definitely remember, you know, to, you know, just the league championship series and world series. And that's all that was, you know, you could have a division, you know, a, a division winner, you know, wrapped up a month and a half before the end of the season. And so, you know, there were definitely some regular seasons that, you know, were not, incredibly exciting in, in that era. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so I, I have a question uh, just talking about the regular season. Alex, is this the best Cardinals regular season of your lifetime? And I'm not saying is this the best team, but I'm saying is this the best experience of a Cardinals regular season of your lifetime? Sure. Um, I think this is cheating, but I almost want you to ask me again, like a month or two from now, when I can really look back and take stock yeah. of all of it, uh, because I have been having so much fun watching this, but I don't know if I've been appreciating it to the level that it needs to be appreciated, because that can sometimes be hard to do in real time. Right. I, I, I think 2011 is a very good example 
it really wasn't until after everything was all said and done that I looked back and thought about every single thing that had to fall into place for that to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And not just things within the Cardinals control, but things completely out of their control, like the Braves having to play very bad baseball down the stretch for the Cardinals um, run to even matter. I, I think this is going to be the same way. I, I think come December, I'm going to, it's going to hit me that not only in the season where Albert Pujols reached 700 home runs in a Cardinals uniform, which not only seemed unlikely when he wasn't a Cardinal for obvious reasons, we, we had no idea he was ever going to rejoin the team, but it really never seemed likely once he did sign with the club in late March, just because of what his last couple seasons seasons looked like. Um, the idea that he would hit 21 home runs just did not seem, I mean, it seemed possible, but it seemed highly unlikely. Um, and then that doesn't even go into the fact that a month less than a month ago, Wainwright and Yadier Molina broke the all-time battery record. Uh, the two players who have mattered the most since Pujols left and who really, in my opinion, are responsible for almost all of the goodwill that the club was able to maintain after Pujols left. And mm-hmm. that doesn't even take into account how good of a season Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado are having. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, yeah. You know, the, the, the third point that you got to are the two Cardinals players who, who might finish like one and two or one and three in the MVP voting. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think I mentioned about, I don't three weeks ago. I don't, it may have been after Pujols' grand slam, or it may have been after his two run Homer at Wrigley against the Cubs in that first game of that series. I really don't remember, but I remarked that I think this is more fun than the 17-game winning streak last year. And I'm always hesitant to say things like that in a moment because of recency bias, but it really has felt that way. I mean, this has just been an unbelievable season that it would have been hard to script better. Uh, if, If Pujols had hit 10 home runs this season and... I don't know, had like a 700 OPS, I think almost everyone would have been completely satisfied mm-hmm. with, with his return to St. Louis and and kind of like a final swan song and him being able to retire in the jersey where he mattered the most. I think everyone would have been completely satisfied. I know I would have been. Um, so the fact that he was able to do what he did is just remarkable. And I still really don't think it's hit me yet. So, Alex, with all of this history and kind of reframing the way that we look at these players, uh, what's your favorite dynamic uh, during the season? I think mine might kind of be Yadier Molina being fat Yadi with his guard down and seemingly just having fun and drinking it all in. But what are you really enjoying? That is a great question. Um <laughs> Fat Yachty is certainly up there, and i <laughs> i would I would include Albert in that as well. In terms of just seeing him in the dugout, he looks so happy, and i he looks so much at peace with not only the season he's having, but I think his career as a whole. I don't want to read too much into his body language and mindset and 
and project too much of what it might all mean. But I, I just sense a lot of peace with Albert that I don't know if he would have quite had had his career ended in Anaheim and not been able to finish this way. I, I can't get past the fact that in his last at bat against the Cubs, he homered and that it it was a home run that mattered. I, I think that is just the, the, the coolest thing. And another thing I have to, that I'm going to have to remind myself while I'm just like, looking back on this season and buried in different things of like, Oh yeah. And then that happened. And then this happened and whatever else happened. Um, it's going to hit me. Oh. And of course, when I'm, when I'm telling people, you know, whether it's my son or, or whoever about this season, I'm saying, yeah. And he homered in his last at bat against the Cubs. And he, while he was a Cardinal tortured the Cubs and that was such an appropriate ending for, for him and his relationship with the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, and you know it's such a good point. The it, it's not just that he's hit these home runs, but he has. We we've seen the old Albert in terms of like, you know, he's literally the guy that you want up with the game on the line, and once he comes up, you feel like he's going to deliver, and he has consistently delivered. And I know the three of us have talked about this before, and I think I probably said on Twitter, you know, Albert Pujols for me is the one baseball player that is in that like Michael Jordan class in that way. Cause that was the thing that I just always remembered about Jordan, you know, in the playoffs or whenever it was like into the fourth quarter, it's like the ball is going to Jordan. Jordan is taking this shot. Like everyone in the arena, everyone at home knew that. And it's still what happened. And, you know, he still made the shot like every time. And, and Pujols is the only baseball player that I've ever felt like that with, you know, through his, you know, 11 seasons or 10 seasons, I guess, in St. Louis at the beginning of his career. Right. It was just, you know, if we can get it around Albert, we're going to win. And so often it happened. I never thought we were going to see that with him coming back to St. Louis. I thought it's going to be really fun because I'm going to see, you know, fat Albert out there in the uniform and he's going to hit a few home runs, but not, you know, so, you know, it's not even just that he hit the 70, but like he's hit these meaningful home runs. He's been the guy that you want up. I mean, that's been really incredible to see that again. Well, if you don't mind, if I can build on the point you just made a little bit and yeah. like the latest example, at least for me, of him always delivering uh, Friday night, my uh, my wife had been gone for several days for like a, a kind of girls trip w- with her friends. And so I was with my my kids for for a while and I was just exhausted and I really was not interested in staying up you know, on the East Coast for a game that's starting, uh, you know, it, at 10 o'clock because they're playing in L.A. And I was all set to go to bed and just be like, you know what, I, I will just catch the highlights tomorrow or whatever. I'm just going to go to bed. I'm exhausted. And then he hits 699 <laughs> almost right when I made that decision. And then, of course, I can't go to bed. I have to watch the rest of yeah. his at-bats. And yep. so I'm like, gosh, I was all like mentally ready to go to bed. I'm exhausted. I don't, I was not in a space to stay up like, like till midnight or whatever. But what does he do? His very next at bat, which was the next inning, he, he hit 700. So he, he yeah. came through for me again and allowed me, in theory, to still call it an early night. Now, did I call it an early night? No, of course not, because I was so excited and kind of 
wired and reading all the tweets and articles that were coming out quickly about number 700 that I didn't go to bed early, even though he would have allowed me to because Albert Pujols always comes through. He knew I wanted to go to bed. And so he decided to hit number 700 as quickly as possible once I made that decision to stay up and watch the rest of the game. He, he's clutching every way, Alex. Because <laughs> uh, I, I had the same reaction. Uh, and especially when you, you know, we have a, a baby who's not yet one. And so, you know, if there's a couple nights during the week where you lose sleep, it is very hard to stay up on a Friday night. Uh, and, and so when Pujols was able to uh, have do that that and allow all of us to go to bed early if we if we desired, uh, I was very pleased about that. Um, but uh, keeping with the theme of these greats with the team and what they are giving the team this year, um, I think it's safe to say that. Uh, you know, at this point in time, Yachty and Wayno are not looking particularly great. And so I'm wondering, Alex, uh, with the three games in three days uh, uh, format for the wildcard series, do you think we're going to get three Yadier Molina starts uh, in the wildcard series? I don't think so. I think he, I, I think we'll see Kisner start one of those games. Uh, I just base that on the fact that, look, Yachty has not been a regular for the entire season, and it, it would not at all be out of the norm for him to, to sit one of these games, even if it is a playoff game. Uh, whether or not Wainwright will get one of those three starts, if it does turn into three games, that I have no idea. I I listened to you all last week and because I don't even really know what a dead arm means. I mean, obviously I know it means it's not good, but I it's one of those right. things where I'm never I'm always like, is this a not a big deal or is this a massive deal? Uh, well, so I don't I'm, think you're, I don't think you're alone in that, Alex. I don't think, you know, anybody ever comes out of an MRI machine and has a doctor say, well, I think we, we've got a dead arm on our hands. <laughs> right. So, and who knows, maybe that is, and here's another nice thing about this season is I, I really think this is the first time since 2009, even though the Cardinals have won, you know, several NL Central titles in that time this is really the first time that they've had it wrapped up for a while i know it didn't become official yeah. since in, in, until last night um tuesday night that is uh but you know 2009 they pretty much had it wrapped up before september but 2013 2014 2015 pirates really made them sweat until the end 2019 uh the brewers were there at the end and this this year it's felt over for a while at least to me and you know you never want to be too confident but even with those four games looming against the brewers had the had milwaukee won every single one of those games you still would have had to squint to see their path to winning the nl central um and i bring that up only to say it's nice to have these last this kind of last week to see, like, I don't know, do we throw Wainwright out there to see what he looks like? 
Um, do we throw Flaherty out there to see um, to, to see w- w- if w- if he's firing on all cylinders or not? And I I feel more comfortable, I guess, more relaxed watching if they are to make starts in these last seven games or whatever than I would if they were still trying to scratch out an NL Central title with like Milwaukee one game back or something like that. Yeah. Well, I know that they've said, and, and it's kind of been, I think, you know, in the tea leaves for a while that Wayno is starting that Sunday, the last home game, the last regular season home game. In oh, right. They've, of got, course. Yeah, yeah. they've got a whole kind of, you know, he and Yachty are both starting. They've got a whole kind of special program. But yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, if it weren't that scenario, you got to think that he might be getting some rest. And so, I, I mean, I just, I hope it's not going to be, um, you know, like a lovely pregame ceremony for both of them. And then, you know, Wayno goes out there and gets shelled for two and a half innings. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they bring in Andre Pallante. But I mean, that unfortunately, that's kind of been the, uh, you know, the way it's gone of late. It doesn't make me sad to see Yadier Molina not doing well from the standpoint that I know this is his final year. And if he was having a season that was more, I guess, Yadi like then I, a part of me would be like, Hey, come on, man. You can't, you can't do this again. (laughs) You can't, you can't play one more year. Uh, Wainwright's a bit of a different story because the first half of the season looked a lot like last year. And it, you really feel like he has something left. And so his his decline the last couple of starts is a little more concerning to me, at least just from a, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I almost want to see my, a guy like Yadier Molina kind of be ground to dust before he calls it quits. Because I feel like he would not hang it up otherwise. Right. You, you want to see, you want to see Jordan with the wizards to be like, yep, that was it. There was nothing left. I don't know if I've ever wanted to see Jordan with the wizards, uh, but, but, (laughs) but I, but I, but I I think you have my point. Yeah. 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 So as long as we're talking Wayno and actually I have two Wayno questions here, uh, but the first one, I'm just curious, do we, all three of us, do we think he's coming back next year? Uh, I would have said yes until all of this dead arm. And now I, I, when I think about it, I find myself swinging between definitely he's coming back and definitely he's not. Like there's a part of me that's like Wainwright won't allow this to be his end. You know, yeah. Jordan with the Wizards, right? Like he's – and he's doing the thing that he always does where he's like, yep, just need to get out, you know, just need to get out there and figure it out, pitch through this, you know, like, and it's worked. I, you know, I was very happy to be completely wrong uh, when I thought and wrote that he was done uh, three, four years ago because he just looked completely toast. And the last few weeks, if we're being frank, he has looked completely toast. Um, and so I just, I, I just go back and forth. If there's a real physical problem underlying all of this, I just, I think he's probably done, but if it really is just something weird, like dead arm, I don't think he allows this to be the last thing he does in his major league career. Um, but what do you think, Alex? Well, first I want to note, because I think this is what 
your listeners want to hear that Jordan with the Wizards was actually pretty good, especially given that yeah, like, I, think right. bro- I think he had broken ribs for like uh, part of the time he was with the Wizards. Uh, I just didn't like him with the Wizards because I was a Bulls fan. But right, more on point, well, you know, I, he 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 could hit know. that fadeaway jumper still, but um, you know he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't come fly with me, Michael Jordan. <laughs> no, it, well, it, it was kind of like Wainwright's curveball, right? Like yeah, Jordan, exactly. like if he could, if he could hit that fadeaway jumper, I think until he was fifty, then he could have played until he was fifty, uh, because it was yeah. pretty much an unstoppable shot. Uh, but yeah. when it comes to Wainwright, I agree with what uh, Ben just said, as in Ben Humphrey, that. I think he wants to come back. I think he wants a season sort of like what Yachty and Albert are enjoying right now, which is that every person in the building knows it's their last season. And I think he wants that. And frankly, I want that for him because he has meant so much to my fandom, to so many other people's fandoms. He's meant so much to the organization. Um, Now, obviously that might become null and void if like what Ben said, he really has something seriously wrong with him and he, and he can't do it. But absent that, I think he comes back for uh, one more year and it's kind of announced beforehand. Hey, this is my last, this is my last uh, season because I, I believe him when he also says like, Hey, I want to be a dad too. I, I have been absent for two. I have a lot of kids and I've been absent for a lot of their lives. Um, because just because of the nature of my job and I, I want to be there more than I currently am. So I certainly believe him when he says that, but I do think he, he wants and deserves kind of that final, this is his last go around the park. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you, Alex, on that. I, I think, you know, and it was funny because in the interview he gave, I think it was in that Apple TV game where Albert hit, hit uh 700, right. He kind of, they asked him directly about it and he said, well, you know, watching these guys go out, it'd be kind of neat to, you know, get the like, uh, you know, everybody honoring you, but it'd also be neat to just sort of disappear, right? So he sort of, he left both possibilities there. But I think the the dirty little secret is Adam Wainwright has a pretty good sized ego. And uh, and I don't mean that in like a negative way. I mean, a player as great as he is should have an ego. And, and he does have, he certainly also has a lot of humility. He seems like just a very genuine, you know, good person. But uh, it's hard for me to believe that he wants, as, as Ben said, that, that he wants to go out like this. And 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 I, I uh, several episodes ago, I know I dug up some stats and guys who have the kind of late, uh, late career renaissance that he's had, they actually often push a, a little ways past 40. So um, again, sure, if, if this is a serious injury, this could 100% be the end of the road. But if it really is just a dead arm thing, um, you know, his his overall season is still going to be a very strong season here. And I, yeah, I would want to see him come back for, you know, for 41 and maybe even, maybe even 42, which leads me to my second Adam Wainwright question, gentlemen. Uh, and Ben and I have talked about this a little bit. It, frankly, it, the longer he pitches, he is getting into the conversation as a potential baseball Hall of Famer. But that's not my question. My question is, the St. Louis Cardinals policy for the last 20 years has been, we only retire numbers and put statues up for guys who are elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. So Adam Wainwright, whether he ends it this season or maybe pitches another two seasons, let's say he, he doesn't get that honor. Uh, should they erect a statue of Adam Wainwright? Ben, do you want to go ahead or do you want, do you want me? Um, 
I so my answer to that is kind of a non-answer. I think, and and we talked about this last week. I think that the question that Ben is asking is whether Wainwright gets an individual statue, because I think that they are going to uh, redo like the entry gate, like there maybe on the northeast side of the stadium, uh, there by Salt, what what is now the Salt and Smoke Restaurant. And I think it's going to be Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina together, like, you know, either the the leap from 2006 or them just w- doing their their standard walk onto the field, like walking into Bush Stadium almost. And then they'll have a plaque about the battery record. And I think that will happen. The question of whether or not Adam Wainwright gets an individual statue and his number retired, I think is a trickier one. Um, And so, Alex, what do you think about that? I think he has to. I think you have to either just do away with that policy or make an exception in this case. Uh, You know, this is not a Willie McGee situation where he's just like super beloved and was a very good player. So therefore, um, you know, retire his number. This is a guy who... You, you can make a very strong case. He's the second most important pitcher in the history of the franchise after Bob Gibson. If you look, I mean, you yeah. know, you have Jesse Haynes, you have Dizzy Dean. Um, right. I, I'm sorry. Like, you know, th- those guys and certainly no offense to those guys. They, they pitched, you know, pre-integration. They, you know, I, I don't think they matter nor any other contemporary pitcher matters as much to this franchise, both stats wise and just kind of what he means from a fandom standpoint as Adam Wainwright. And I think whatever sort of policy is in place, whether that's like a, if it's written in concrete, then you just got to like take out a jackhammer and smash that thing. Because I, I think he certainly deserves the, a statue of the Aussie variety of the Ted Simmons for, you know, the, the kind of, you know, uh-huh. smaller ones that they have adorned around all yep. the stand and whatnot. That, that's my feeling on it. Yeah. I, I mean, I tend to, I tend to agree. I mean, I, I think, and, and you know, th- that policy, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not written in stone. It's written on a piece of paper and build the wits pocket. Right. And he can rip it up <laughs> and throw it away anytime he wants. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just, it's something that they've held to since they didn't give McGuire the honor. And, um, but it seems like this is exactly the, the situation that you, that you break that for. I agree. That said, I really like Ben's suggestion and I could totally see them doing kind of a, a Yachty. And I think honestly, regardless of whether they do an individual statue for Wayno, I think they will do some kind of a Yachty Wayno. Uh, commemoration somewhere and and then as you were talking about it here's my idea i'm going to pitch this to you guys right now because i do the 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 walk from the bullpen is pretty iconic so i think that yadi and wayno should be cast in bronze walking in from the bullpen (laughs) and it should actually be placed in short right field there where they walked in from the bullpen and it should be in play from now on (laughs) so that that extremely dangerous hazard should be on the field at bush stadium from here until the end of the stadium um, to, you know, put players at risk, but also remind us of their greatness. I also want to so say- like, 
Oh, I was just going to say, so like Monument Park used to be at Yankee that, Stadium. That's exactly what I'm thinking of, yes. No, I just wanted to say, and I'm being genuine, like, Ben, when you suggested the idea of them having a statue of walking in together, like, that almost gave me chills. Like, that is a that is an awesome idea. And even though I think the first thing I think of, if you were to capture an image of those two, would be the leap, whether it's after the Beltran strikeout or the Inge strikeout. I think more of the Brandon Inge one, since that was World Series. But I think that's harder to pull off in a statue. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- th- that could, I don't know. That just, I'm certainly not a statue maker. That just seems like that could be hard to do. Whereas having the walk seems uh, a little easier and would be awesome. And also the walk is, it it is tied to the starts. Yes. And the longevity, the leap, yeah. The, the leap is tied to him closing, Wainwright closing out victories. So before he was a starter. And I, so, you know, the walk, I think, makes the most sense for that reason, because we've all seen it so many times. And now every time they show it or a picture of it, I just kind of grin because I know I only get, you know, a handful more of these and I just really enjoy it because it is just like, I mean, I don't know, like the wild bunch or something like that. Like they're walking in to go do their thing and wherever the chips fall, they will. And I just, I really enjoy that. Well, I hope Bill DeWitt III is listening to this podcast because I think he's the one that makes most of these decisions these days. So um, he should definitely take one of these great ideas. I would lean towards the the bronze in play, but you know, I think any of them are are solid. Um, can, uh, I, can I ask a question real quick? Okay. Yeah. So the character clause for the Hall of Fame. I only, and I'm going to be honest, I've never actually read what the character clause says. I've, I've seen it paraphrased a few times, but I've only seen it used against players and never in support of players. And maybe it's not written in a way where it can be used in support of players. But what I'm getting at is, is there a part of Wainwright's career with the Clementi Award and just being a all around good guy that you can squint and make a hall of fame case for him with support of the character clause. Can the character clause even be used in that way? Like, do they take into account Clemente words? I'm sure some people do just in their minds subconsciously, but are you allowed to officially say like, look, he, he was a Clemente award winner. He did all this. He, he has that charity, blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I am the one non-attorney on this call, so I'm going to leave that to you guys to make that argument. Well, the character clause can 100% be used to get someone into the Hall of Fame. Um, it's uh, it, it says that um, players shall be chosen on the basis of playing ability, sportsmanship, character, their contributions, their contribution to the teams on which they played, and to baseball in general. Uh, and if I remember correctly, uh, Judge Landis uh, created this to, so that people would vote in favor of a player who was not good, 
<laughs> um, but he had served he had served in like World War One or something like that and and maybe he had been injured uh, or died because of his injuries uh, prematurely and cut his playing career short. I can't remember how it went exactly but but the genesis of it was to allow them to kind of bring in people who maybe they're their playing days were not all that impressive, but their other accomplishments were. Okay. That's, that's very interesting. And I, I thought, I, I mean, I didn't know all that stuff about judge Landis and everything, but I thought that was kind of the spirit behind the character clause. And I, I think to be honest, if I, if I were a voter, I would probably not vote for Adam Wainwright, even though it pains me to say that, cause I think he's close. But if I had to, if I was actually writing again somewhere and I had to write the article of in defense of Adam Wainwright being a hall of famer, then I would absolutely bring that up. Yeah, I really would. See, and, I, and I, I think, I, I think it's going to be closer than that. And I think what is going to work in his favor is the role, the changing role of the pitcher. And, and the fact that, you know, guys, uh, you know, Corbin Burns, you know, doesn't pitch past the sixth inning, basically, you know, right? These these modern guys, they don't do that. And, and and that's fine. That's kind of that that's how that position has evolved. But Wainwright is really the the last, you know, guy of that, you know, the, just piling up those innings. And so mm-hmm. I think he is gonna put together uh, you know, inning totals that are, uh, you, you know, maybe, you know, may not be eclipsed or will not be easily eclipsed by guys that come after him. And and to an extent, and it doesn't 100% translate to, you know, to wins above replacement, but wins above replacement is a counting stat. And 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 so it, it's reflected in there to a degree as well, just kind of the, the total value that he contributes. So again, I don't think if, if he retires after this season, I don't think he gets there. But I honestly think if he plays one or two more seasons at this kind of late period renaissance level, I I, I would give him at least 50% odds personally. Yeah, I think if, especially if he gets to 200 pitching quote unquote wins, um, I think he's going to be kind of one of those bridge starting pitchers where the old timey folks can squint and see the type of pitcher they think a starting pitcher should be. And then the new timey people can look at his production and say, you know what? He was a valuable pitcher. Um, And especially if he has like another signature moment or two in the postseason this October or next October, Um, I, I, I think he would really bolster his credentials and, there would be a real legitimate conversation about whether or not he gets in. Well, I, I for one, hope we get there. Um, ben, do you have uh, any any other kind of questions you had left for, for Alex tonight? Um, well, uh, I was going to try to get a prediction out of him. Like, what... Uh, what is your realistic, but I, I, I recognize the field is not set because it's so large now. So that's not entirely fair. So uh, what I wanted to say is uh, to kind of give him a little bit more flexibility. What is Alex, what is your expectation for this St. Louis Cardinals team? Like where do you legitimately think their season ends? Hmm. 
That's always a tough question when you play in the same league as the Dodgers, uh, who are just this looming monster, right? and they have been um, for, gosh, going on 10 years now. But the Cardinals, I believe, I read recently, have the second best record in baseball since the All-Star break. They have been playing at a level where I think the sky is the limit, meaning if they won the World Series, this wouldn't feel like 2006 where they kind of limped in and then and then won it all. And people were like saying like, wait, how did they do that? I, I don't think it would shock anyone if they were to win the World Series. Uh, that said, and I think you all touched on this last week with this new format, we're talking about, it just seems like a lot to have to go through um, four series before you are the champion Uh, that, you know, but someone will have to do that. You know, someone's going to do it, or at least, you know, I guess not everyone will have to play that first round, but, but you know what I mean? I think this is a very good team. I I think if, and, and this will be a lot of if, but like, you know, Quintana looks very good right now. I, I haven't looked at the uh, the score of Wednesday night's game since it was one nothing Milwaukee very early. But I think they have a formidable enough rotation um, that they could make some serious noise in the postseason. And I'm going to go ahead and say that they make the World Series because why not? Um, and Something that I think I realized today, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're they're going to play their first home game in the postseason since 2019. That's correct, right? Because last year, they they just had that one game in L.A., and then 2020 was that weird thing where they played every single game where? In San Diego or on the road somewhere, if I recall? It was, was I I believe, in San Diego. Yes, yes, in San Diego. So... They're playing their first home games in the postseason since 2019. I think we're going to see some fun magic. Uh, I think we're going to see some fun games like we saw. I'm thinking 2013, that game one against the Dodgers. Um, I I think we're going to just see a lot of good, fun playoff baseball. I think they have such a fun roster, a good roster, a hungry roster. Nolan Arenado last night after they clinched looked just so excited to be able to kind of be at this place, a place he was never able to be with the Rockies. And I know this is baseball. I know they can have a cold streak and look like they did against the Nationals in 2019. Um, But I am going to assume and hope that won't happen, and they are going to make the World Series. That's very bold. That that makes me optimistic, Alex. Uh, Mr. Godar, what do you think? What's What's our realistic... Uh, outlook for where the Cardinals finish this year? Well, I'm going to answer this question with the caveat that, Ben, just because you asked this question doesn't mean that you get to avoid this question. So you you will need to follow me up (laughs) with a prediction. Um, You know, um, and again, Alex laid out all the appropriate caveats, these short series, these postseason series. You you may as well roll dice or flip coins. We, We all know that. But, you know, coming in, I would say the wild card series they're, the fact that they're going to have three home games and, you know, this is a team that plays well at home. And so 
regardless of who their opponent is, I, I feel good about the Cardinals in that wild card series. You, you guys know what's insane is that if, if they win the wild card series, they're, um, they will face, uh, I guess it could be the Mets or the Braves, but it'll definitely be the NL East winner, right? So uh, you're going to have two teams with around 95 to 100 wins playing each other in the division series. Um, so that's kind of nuts. Um, but uh, I got to be honest, I'm going to assume it's the, the Mets in this scenario. And I just feel like the Cardinals beat the Mets because I just feel like the Mets just still have some, some Metsiness to them. So I definitely think they get through. I, I'm going to say they get through there. That the league championship series is scarier because you definitely have the Dodgers looming looming there as well. But um, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to say you know what they win the World Series this year. It's been such a magical season. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna believe in the Devil Magic. Um, but I also think you know genuinely this is you know, the, the highest power, you know, you know, the best team that they've had, you know, honestly, maybe since 2004, because I think this is better than the 2011 team, though the 2011 team, the version at the very end of the season was very strong. Obviously 2013 was good. 2015, they won a lot of games with not a spectacular team. I, I believe, I mean, this offense top to bottom, I think you'd have to go back to 2004, um, you know, to find a, this kind of offense. And with the trades they made at the trade deadline, I think the, you know, the pitching staff is fine, which for the St. Louis Cardinals of the last, you know, 15, 20 years is, uh, is pretty darn good. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say all the way world series 12 and 22. Uh, that's my prediction. Uh, Humphrey, how about you? Um, I, I think my outlook is NLCS. Um, I, I think they can beat uh, whoever they face in the wild card. They're at home, uh, which, as you pointed out, helps. Um, and I think in the short series uh, of the division series, uh, they can win that series as well. I just, if, if it is the Dodgers, I and, and even with the Dodgers bullpen troubles, which, which they are not insignificant, I just I don't know if this team has what it takes to overcome the Dodgers, um, but I'll tell you what: with every Albert Pujols home run, uh, I believe more and more that they can win the World Series. So, yeah. if he hits one in Yadier Molina's final game, I'm just going to be like, "World Series or bust." Here we go. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at this point in time, I expect him to hit the game-winning home run in Game Seven of the World Series, and uh, a whole lot of grown-ups to cry when he does it because <laughs> it'll be amazing well and i'm trying to remember how many world series have the dodgers won over the last 10 years it's like six or seven isn't it i don't quite remember the exact number <laughs> so. well you you make an excellent point uh dave roberts has only been able to uh win in the covid so, year uh yeah. and uh, this year is is an example of why with the injuries that they've had. They have a really deep roster, but you know it is it def there are definitely some weak points on that team that you could you could see being magnified uh, in a series. And the Cardinals have a lot of depth, which is something that is very good for them. Um, unfortunately, the area where they lack depth is the rotation and Adam Wainwright being 
in a position where he's having some problems means we could be looking at some Dakota Hudson postseason starts, and that might change some some of the warm, fuzzy feelings we have pretty quickly uh, as the weather gets a little bit cold, and maybe our hearts do as well as we watch good old Dak uh, walk batters and and give up base hits. <laughs> I, I hope. Ben, you have something else to say because we can't end the podcast uh, thinking about Dakota Talking Hudson. Talking about Dakota Hudson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to say, you know what? The, you know what? The other thing the Cardinals have going for him this postseason is uh, my my man Ali Marmol, and I really think that um, you know managing managing uh, doesn't make maybe that big a difference over the you know course of a whole season, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think it's pretty critical in a playoff game. And I believe a lot more in how Marmol will deploy his his roster, his bench, his pitching staff. And even just in that one game last year against the Dodgers, and look, it's one game, right? But, uh, you know, our old pal Mike Schill uh, went to Alex Reyes at the end of the game because, you know, he was his guy, you know, meaning, you know, he had good results for, you know, the first 45 games or so of the season. Um, you know, and consistently over these last, you know, number of years, we've often seen the kind of, you know, Adam Wainwright is our game one starter, even at, you know, in seasons or when he was at a point where it was like kind of clear he wasn't at his full strength, you know, these kind of things. Um, of course, Yachty was always in there. And I think we've talked about several of these things already. I, I don't think that's all going to be written in stone with Marmol. So I really feel like he will make the the right choices to give them the best chance to win. And that's really the best we can hope for. You know, the results will still kind of, you know, the chips will fall where they may. That is an excellent point. Uh, Mr. Godar, there, there is a very good argument and you have uh, made it by and large that the Cardinals have their best manager for the postseason since, you know, Tony Larusa managed the 2011 postseason like it was his last as a manager, where he pulled starters early. He I and I've written this, I've said it over and over again. I feel like Larusa started this new trend uh, at that time of starters going uh, less deep into games in October, and so I I think you make a very good point, uh, Mr. Godar, that the Cardinals probably have their best postseason manager in 21 years. And I choose to believe 2011 was Tony LaRusso's last season as a manager. And I will, I will hear no evidence to the contrary. (laughs) Perfectly understandable. If I could say one thing about Marmol too, is I don't think it's trivial uh, how he's been able to have a roster with a lot of young guys, but also veterans um, and luminaries like Albert Pujols um, and effortlessly. I, I don't know if effortlessly is the right word, but th- that that's probably not as easy as it looks to be able to weave those guys in and out of the lineup. And so I think he deserves some credit just for that, just being able to manage this yeah. kind of odd lineup. Yeah, uh, that's a great point, Alex. And, and think about all of the things that he's done well. I mean, I, I think about the Yachty thing, right? We've been talking for years about, you know, Yachty kind of refusing to come out of the lineup. And who's able to do that? 
you know, the, the guy who's, who's so young that like, you know, he can't rent a car and his, his dad has to co-sign on his mortgage. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and who didn't play above the low minors. And there's always that thing with those guys like, Oh, geez, maybe they won't have the, the juice in the clubhouse to, um, you know, uh, order these legends and hall of famers around and, and not say order them around, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To, to, uh, to take, uh, take the lead and to make the tough decisions. And he, he's done that impeccably. No, I, I think you make a great point, uh, both of you. And I, I've long subscribed to former Cardinals beat writer on MLB.com, Matthew Leach's assessment of the manager, that the most important thing that the manager does is what fans don't see. And that's exactly what you're talking about here is managing the personalities and expectations and communicating in a way that everyone understands and is on the same page, but also everyone accepts uh, the explanation and what the manager is going to do. And so far, Marmal has been able to do that and have buy-in from the whole team, and it's been very effective. And there's no reason to think that won't continue uh, as we move into October, and he's going to continue to be aggressive with pinch hitters, with pinch runners, with... Uh, using the bullpen. And I think that will benefit the team uh, in October. Absolutely. Well, we're, I, we're, we're running out of time here, so I don't have time to ask you guys how many home runs Albert Pujols would have hit if Jeff Albert was his hitting coach throughout his time in Anaheim. We'll have to save that for another time. But uh, Alex, it's been so great having you join us. Was there anything else you wanted to, to hit on before we wrap things up? If you don't mind, I just want to make one point that I was thinking about earlier today, and that's that, you know, when I was younger, I always really admired Henry Aaron for having the all-time home run record, um, you know, which he did until Bonds, um, even though he never hit more than 47 home runs in a season. And I, I always thought that was cool because it just kind of showed like, gosh, how how consistent and how good you have to be for so long to be able to hit 755 home runs without, you know, hitting 50 a bunch a year or something like that, like Babe Ruth and some of these other guys did. And I I thought of that because that's basically who Albert Pujols is. You know, he hit 21 home runs this year, which is 21 years separated from when he first hit 37 home runs, you know, and he's never hit more. He's never hit 50 home runs in a season. Yeah, I think he hit 49 in 2006. But what we're seeing is kind of what I always envisioned Henry Aaron was like, even though obviously they're different players in a lot of respects. But this is a guy who has just been so consistent, even if you include his not great years in Anaheim, but a guy who's just had a great career for a very long time. And it's truly historic, at least in baseball terms. Um, And we have been very lucky to have seen it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I couldn't have put it better myself. Uh, Alex, uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, We're big fans. We really appreciate you taking the time. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Enjoy the final few days of the season. And Yachty and Albert send off on Sunday, uh, weather permitting, and uh, we'll catch all of you in our playoff preview uh, after the end of the season.